0: You're listening to the Doheny Podcast Network, the Doheny Eye Institute, working for all to see. Your host is Jody Becker.
1: My guests today are Doheny's Dr. Michael Ipp, who is the director of the Doheny Image Reading Center and a friend of the Doheny Podcast, and his colleague, Dr. Jimmy Chung. She is the head of the Retina Research Group at the Singapore Eye Research Institute. Dr. Chung will be a featured guest lecturer at the International Retinal Imaging Symposium hosted by Doheny and Stein Institutes at UCLA in January of 2020, which Dr. Ip is convening. And we wanted to give you some insights on what will be discussed. So Dr. Chung, um, if we could start with you and hear some foundational information, maybe starting with your research in macular degeneration, which has been very deep and includes variants and specifically some conversation about PCV.
0: Hi, Jody, Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to join this podcast, and I really look forward to coming to uh, Doheny to join the event in January. It is great to have the opportunity to share our research because uh, AMD is an important condition that affects people all over the world, and yet it is very curious that we notice certain differences in at, uh, particularly the phenotype and perhaps also the genotype of uh, people affected by AMD in different parts of the world, particularly The Asian phenotype uh, often can look different to the Western phenotype, particularly there is less drusen appearance as a background, perhaps uh, in the late stage, less geographic atrophy as well. And during the neovascular stage, I think many people realize that in our part of the world, uh, a lot of the neovascular membranes do also exhibit uh, something called a polypoidal structure as well. So, these are all very uh, perplexing questions that we want to study and improve our understanding of how best to treat this condition, both in Asia and around the world as well.
1: So, this is an area of specific interest for you. Can you talk a little bit about how you became engaged in this variant and sort of where your research has taken you?
0: I suppose it goes back to the whole experience we've been uh, having uh, in terms of treating AMD through the years. Well, I came in uh, after the uh, MPS study, so I never had to laser off neovascular membrane. But I came in through the uh, PDT era. So at that time, photodynamic therapy was the mainstay of treatment for, for neovascular AMD all over the world through the success of the CHAP and Vip study. And then uh, in Asia, it worked beautifully for polypoidal as well. And so at that time, that was before uh, we had OCT and we judged our success by getting rid of the blood and on angiography, it stops leaking and we see closure of these lesions on angiograms. And then subsequently things change and it's been an amazing journey because now we have much better tools, much better treatment uh, uh, that's available. So now we talk about using OCT to judge whether a lesion is still exuding, whether it's leaking, whether it's active, and we have much less emphasis on closing the lesion. And subsequently, of course, all over the world, we've moved away from photodynamic therapy, which is an occlusive and in a way, a bit of a destructive um, method to anti-VEGF therapy. However, in Asia, there is still a big concern about trying to close these polypoidal lesions on angiogram, and therefore it is still not as clear as in the West, whether we can rely completely on monotherapy with NTVJF, because photodynamic therapy still plays a role in a proportion of patients for this condition. So while NTVJF seems to at least solve most of the problem in uh, Western AMD, in particularly uh, in the daily practice that I have with about half of our patients having polypoidal subtype, um, we're still not so clear whether we can completely do away with photodynamic therapy. So it's something that affects the daily management of patients coming through.
1: And a huge amount of engagement in the research, as I can hear. Dr. Ip, can you talk a little bit about how the options and the outcomes have changed in this period that Dr. Chung is discussing?
2: You know, a lot of it does have to do with some of the racial differences that we see with respect to this age-related macular degeneration variant being much more common in Asian populations. And so with respect to you know, our, our treatment options, I, I, I think I would just reiterate some of what uh, Dr. Chung just, just mentioned, which is that uh, with this particular variant, and again, for those who are not familiar with it, we're talking about polypoidal choroidal vasculopathy, or PCV, which is a, a variant of age-related macular degeneration. I would estimate that we probably miss a lot of this in the united states i mean some of the prevalence studies show that in our united states population it may be as high as 10 to as high as 10 to 20% of the uh neovascular amd that we see and i think it's certainly much higher in asia but once recognized there is a um, difficulty with this disease in terms of how well it responds to anti vegf therapy so it's been reported, and, and it's it's in my own anecdotal experience that these eyes are a bit more recalcitrant to anti VEGF therapy than the typical sort of Western appearance of neovascular AMD that has all the typical hallmarks of drusen, et cetera. And you know, D- Dr. Chung's leadership in uh, the Planet Study, which looked at. I believe it was a a Flibercept versus a Flibercept and PDT showed a a more limited role of additional therapy, uh, which is PDT. So adding on PDT to anti-VEGF therapy, in this case, a Flibercept, didn't seem to do that much over and above what uh, anti-VEGF alone does. So I'd like to kind of hear what she thinks about that. But you know, in in my experience, we, we typically have to add photodynamic therapy. Uh, onto anti-VEGF therapy in many of these eyes, because again, this variant of AMD seems to be more recalcitrant to monotherapy with anti-VEGF.
0: Dr. Chan, So um, that is very interesting because we've been seeing the evolving uh, understanding of uh, anti-VEGF as a monotherapy for PCV. At first, when we first used Bevacizumab, for example, we didn't have very good results. um, And certainly, uh, the didn't seem to close the polyps very well, which is what our traditional aim was uh, trying to do. Subsequently, we've seen the um, Everest 1 and Everest 2 study. In that case, it was ranibizumab that was being evaluated. And the conclusion was that ranibizumab worked okay, but it would be better to combine with PDT. Whereas with Planet, it was really the first time that shows that the PDT didn't really add very much to anti which is what we've been seeing for Western AMD back in the Mont Blanc and the Denali trials. Now then, in fact, with even newer and perhaps stronger NTVGF, if you may say so, we've seen a very exciting result from the Hawke and Harriet study uh, that was presented very recently by Glenn Jeffy in AAO, uh, a subgroup analysis of about 50 patients in each of the three arms with PCV, that was ICJ-proven, Predominantly from the Japanese uh, participants, showing that almost 70% of the population could be maintained with monotherapy with blue at 12-weekly interval and very good visual outcome as well. So I think um, NTVGF as a whole is a as a group, but now we have multiple NTVGF, just like we're trying to figure out how to use all of these uh, drugs. In the Western AMD population, I think in PCV, in Asian AMD, we are also having uh, try- to try this task. And perhaps anti monotherapy can work in a larger and larger subgroup of patients. But I still think that there is a role of PDT uh, that we can't completely do away with it.
1: Dr. Chung mentioned some challenges with identification. I'm wondering, Dr. Ip, can you talk a little bit about what those challenges are in early identification?
2: First of all, you have to have an index of suspicion and be on the lookout for this. again, as i as I mentioned, I think a lot of folks who practice uh, in in the West and are used to Western populations aren't really thinking about this, and it's really just been, I think, recently where we're starting to become more aware of this variant, and as for the reasons we just mentioned, it's important to to be aware of it. you know I, I think first, it starts with uh, just your clinical examination. Where you're more likely to see sort of these orange lesions, these orange sort of polyp lesions deep in the um, retina or in, in in the choroid, and then you tend to have more of a hemorrhagic sort of component to the uh, to the appearance of these lesions. And then, in answering your question in terms of imaging, what what can you do to to identify these lesions? I I think that spectral domain OCT is very helpful. You're looking for acute angle or sharp angle. Pigment epithelial detachments surrounding that. You may have lower lying pigment epithelial detachments, which you may see some branching vascular networks that correlate with that on your ICG angiogram. And then oftentimes you'll see a, a double layer sign, where it looks like there's the RPE is split from the from the Brooks membrane, and in between, uh, it's presumed that that's where the lesion, the aneurysmal lesions reside. And then you know you can do fluorescein angiography. I find that to be a little bit less helpful. Generally, there are areas of hyperfluorescence, sort of this pseudo classic appearance to the hyperfluorescence, but it doesn't tend to give, at least me, it doesn't give me a lot of information. And I think really the gold standard is uh, ICG angiography. And that's, that's what the, the difference is in, in our typical, the Western AMD that, that we evaluate much of here in the United States. ICG angiography just doesn't seem to add a lot to the the imaging and the diagnosis of this. But when it comes to polypoidal or PCV, I really think it's a gold standard. You almost have to do it to really make sure that you have a case of PCV. And what you're looking for there are the readily identifiable polyps or aneurysmal dilations that you see within the fundus. That's generally the cause of the hemorrhagic appearance that you see on on ophthalmoscopy.
1: And in terms of clinical practice here in Los Angeles, where Doheny and Stein Eye Institutes are, I'm guessing that you don't have a lot of patients who, as you say, present with their own suspicion, but you may see that. So how does that conversation go where people may be familiar with AMD but really don't know about PCV?
2: That's a very uh, good question because you know if you just say you got PCV, they're going to look at you like you have two heads. They've never heard of it. And so the way I usually present this, uh, and I actually now see quite a bit of PCV. I, I used, formerly practiced out in Wisconsin for many years, and uh, it really wasn't very common. Uh, it was I, I saw a lot of sort of the typical Western type AMD. But here in Los Angeles, where we have a much more uh, heterogeneous population, I am now seeing a lot more PCV. And so when I do identify a patient who has PCV, I generally don't tell them they have regular or typical macular degeneration. I really tell them you have sort of a, a cousin uh, or a variant uh, of age-related macular degeneration. I tell them that it may be a little bit more recalcitrant to our typical therapies. I tell them they may need a little bit more anti-VEGF therapy. Uh, and as Dr. Chung mentioned, they may also ultimately wind up needing photodynamic therapy, because even though the PLANET study didn't show that, at least in that study, that there was any added benefit to PDT. I I do think that there are still some cases of PCV that, that do benefit from photodynamic therapy.
1: Dr. Chung, you will be a featured guest lecturer here at the International Retinal Imaging Symposium in January. I'm wondering, in closing, if you could just briefly characterize international collaboration on PCV at this time.
0: There are a lot of efforts, uh, both in uh, clinical as well as as basic science and genetics. For example, there have been multiple efforts, uh, international efforts in uh, in genetic consortium, to first of all characterize uh, genetics background of Asian PCV versus European descent, uh, so-called Western AMD, and then within AMD, uh, particularly in Asian, to then further uh, subcategorize PCV versus AMD. So you need thousands and thousands of uh, participants with not only the DNA, but also the good, uh, well-documented phenotype for that kind of research work. And certainly any single institution, uh, no matter how big, is not going to be able to pull that off. So multiple international collaborations is very important. And we certainly have some collaborations also clinically with many uh, international partners. We want to compare the clinical phenotypes between Asian subtypes and Western subtypes, and also um, to take advantage of each other's technical capabilities. Doheny is one of the leaders in many of these research, for example, your reading centre and all the algorithms that you develop in-house, such as chorocapularis quantification, etc. So we are actually also trying to establish collaborations to send some of our images to the Doheny uh, Reading Centre to use your expertise to help us. Understand, for example, changes in the capillaries uh, in these eyes with thick choroid and many, many uh, uh, opportunities and interesting questions. And also meet each other, uh, have a, a exchange and, uh, and exchange ideas in meetings and to visit each other to look at the case that are different. Uh, always um, uh, can bring to mind uh, new research areas as well.
1: So looking at those big data sets, I guess, will be part of the effort going forward and part of the discussion at the International Retinal Imaging Symposium here in Los Angeles in January of 2020, Dr. Jimmy Chong, head of the Retina Research Group at the Singapore Eye Research Center. Thank you very much. And Dr. Michael Ip, our director of the Doheny Image Reading Center, thanks for joining me on the Doheny Podcast.
2: Thank you, Jody. Thank Thank you, you. Dr. Chong.
1: If you'd like to support the work of the Doheny Eye Institute, please visit the website at doheny.org.
0: The Doheny Eye Institute, at the forefront in eradicating eye disease for nearly 70 years, is dedicated to providing state-of-the-art clinical services and supporting leading researchers in the quest for treatments that stabilize and improve the precious sense of sight. Doheny is now affiliated with UCLA Stein Eye Institute. For more information about our doctors and their innovative work in the quest for better vision, visit our website, Doheny.org.